Hey, everybody, and welcome to a new edition of the award-winning Talking About Cars here on Radio.com, where it's all about everybody has a car story. From celebrities to car personalities, everybody that has great stories to tell. I'm Randy Cardoon. In a way, Matt Farah of the Smoking Tire is one of the pioneers of YouTube, a guy who lived in New York State before a producer found him, asked him to host some car videos for a new website, which soon became their own YouTube channel. Now, Matt is test-driving exotics, having people offer to let him drive their beaters, or classics, or even boats. And he's been a co-host of a show on NBC Sportsnet called Drive. So, Matt, what's the first car you remember growing up? I I don't have a, 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 a specific vision of the first car I remember seeing. However, my grandmother tells me I could identify at least a certain percentage of cars by their wheels, when I was very, very young, like two. The by first, their wheels. By their wheels, because according to my grandmother, this was all I was big enough to see. That was her, that was her thing. She, she's sticking with that story. I um, the thing that really stands out to me in, in the vein of what I think your question is going for is I was probably about five, maybe six, and my dad brought home an issue of Car and Driver magazine which had a DeLorean on it on the cover. I think it was like when the company went out of business or something, and that was the cover. Um, but seeing the stainless steel, you know, car, which to a five-year-old, a DeLorean is like, oh my god, you know, and the gullwing doors. And I realized that cars could be special from that. Mm-hmm. From Do you remember that. what so, Grandma or the folks had as far what, as a set of wheels? What they were driving? Yeah. Uh, my parents, uh, at the time I was, uh, when I was a little kid, had a Mercury Lynx. Do you even remember what a Mercury Lynx was? I, yeah. It's basically the Mercury version of the Escort uh-huh. before they called it a Tracer. Right. Like it was a tra- it became a Tracer in the late 80s. This was like an early 80s Mercury Lynx. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, my Fancier, dad's supposedly, like, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> I, it was. I remember it just being a little red box, yes. basically. You know, my dad actually, to his credit, that's the earliest car I remember my parents having. But to my dad's credit, mm-hmm. um, as he did get uh, more successful, and my dad is an extraordinarily successful businessman. Starting in the '80s, as he started to make real money, he got some interesting cars. So he did. He had a Saab Turbo 900 Turbo which was a pretty cool thing to have in, like, 86. Uh, and then he got one of the first Lexus LS400s that then became uh, my... I bought it off him in high school, you know, when it was, like, six years old. And the 400 was a really, really nice oh, Lexus. Oh, it's the best. Yeah, that was the, the 1UZ V8, you know, the, the most uh, most money, I think, ever spent on a development of any car. When that Lexus... When he brought that Lexus home, I mean, I think I was... Let's see... This was 91, so I would have been 10. I was into cars. I remember that thinking that that Lexus was the coolest thing because it was so quiet and it was so soft and it was so smooth. And the gauges, the the first ever, those gauges with that like LCD strip, mm-hmm. you know, where you couldn't see the actual needles. It was a black screen. There right. was only lights. Like that was some really cool stuff back in 91 to a 10 year old. You know, I was like, wow, dad got the coolest car ever. Mm-hmm. He had an XJS in the 80s for about six months, too, and it spent four of its first six months in the shop, and he sent it back. Now, you've had a lot of cars, and including, if I remember right, you went down to Florida. To buy my you. Lexus LS400. Talk about that. How that how did that come about? So that, I mean, honestly, that 
this is a stupid idea, <laughs> but my friend Rob Ferretti just sent we there's a, I we have a I have a I have like no friends I have like six friends and so we send each other dumb stuff we find on the internet like all your friends do. He just sent Rob Ferretti of Super Speeders just sent out this link that was like who wants to finish the job or something like that and it was this Lexus that was in Florida with eight hundred ninety seven thousand miles and. Presumably, he meant get the car to a million miles and finish the job. And I was like, ah, you know, and I, I just wrote, I emailed the guy and I paid $1,200 for the car. And then I flew to Florida and just drove it home. And I was like, I could put 100,000 miles on this car. How hard could that be? Mm-hmm. Four years later, we've done 70,000 miles. So, <laughs> you know, it's at like 967K at the moment. Are you planning on a big party here anytime soon? I don't even know. Commemorated like, on your podcast or something? It's just taken so long. Like, I, you know, like, <laughs> I, like, half of me, like, you know, I, you got to keep going, first off, and you can't cheat. Like, no, no, put it on a dyno, none of that. I have friends who are like, why don't you put it on a dyno for 36 hours? And it's like, <laughs> you can't make up a game and then cheat at it. You know what I mean? Because, like, there's no prize for this. Like, I even call, you know, I called Lexus. They don't care. They do not care. Seriously. Yeah, you'd think, you'd think that that would be a thing. But, uh, you know, I was like, hey, I got this car that it's, like, almost going to be at a million miles. Like, that's pretty cool. And they're like, great. It's doing exactly the thing that it was designed to do. Enjoy. that, And that was the whole conversation. They did. I needed um, some new shocks and rotors for the car, which they found. Uh, for me, they found. Yeah, they gave them to me. So they don't have them at a place you can no, get. No, they a totally do. But they gave me so as a as oh, a. Oh, that was nice. As so they a gave sort it of, to you. as yeah, as okay. a sort of like, you know, thanks for doing something cool with an old Lexus. Their con- they didn't care about the million miles thing, but you know, it is good for marketing. And so they did throw. They threw me a set of shocks and some brake rotors. I get a feeling though, once you hit a million miles. They might be a little more interested. Oh, no, they? I swear they don't care. They don't. They really don't care. They. They. I mean, there's a, there's a, actually quite probably quite a lot of '90s Lexuses with close to or at a million miles. I went to the Middle East a couple uh, 2018 months ago into the Middle East to Oman uh, next to the UAE, which is a very interesting place. Um, it's, it's quite poor, um, except for the parts that are very rich, obviously. But you know how, like, you picture the Middle East from 10 years ago when it was all those, like, diesel 80s Benzes? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because they were, like, the unkillable thing. Mm-hmm. Now those have all moved to, like, sub-Saharan Africa, and they've been <laughs> replaced by 90s Lexuses. And so 50% of all the cars I saw in Oman were... 90s LSs, GSs, or like Land Cruisers LXs. Seriously, 90%. Or uh, like, like not 90, over 50%. And I think in an, and I, I was so overwhelmed by the number of LSs, like me and, a, and my friend I was with sat on the side of the road, and we're like, we're going to sit here, and we're going to eat this street meat, and for a half an hour, we're just going to count all the LSs. And it was like 50. I mean, literally, in, an, in a half hour, like 50. 50 LSs went by. It was the, so I'm thinking that maybe for the end we ship the car to Oman, you know, and we bring it to where obviously they all belong. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's well, a silly game, but yeah. you know, a lot of people I've got like a log book, you know, in the car, and so everyone's got to fill it out. They drive it. The people go on road trips, you know, people I've had friends who 
They had a car accident. They need to get. They need. They have to get to work. They they so borrow they it for a month. Yeah. yeah, I send it around to all my friends. Well, it's to better put than road you, trips. Better than you driving it all the I time. I have I have journalists who come in. Well, I can't drive that much. I physically. Not only am I always driving press cars, I'm always testing a car. I'm on the road 20 days a month, so I only have maybe six or seven home driving days anyway. And oh, by the way, I own five cars. So it's like <laughs> the number of cars, like I don't have that many places to go. <laughs> you know, So it's better off. I have fr- friends come in or automotive journalists or whoever. They want to make a road trip out of it. So people borrow it. They put 2,000 miles on it. It's great. Mm-hmm. It's never knock knock console. It's not left a single person stranded. Never. One guy the battery died on, but that's because he left the lights on all night. But, like, like literally it has never left anyone stranded in 70,000 miles. We'll uh, get to more of what exactly street meat means. <laughs> it means meat from truck. Uh, meat from truck in Oman. I see. Okay. Well, you're much braver than some of us, but that's good. So it's to a point now, and I assume you were in Oman as oh, for, for cars. Work. For work. Yeah, for cars. Yeah, yeah. We did a thing, uh, my show Drive on NBC Sports. Mm-hmm. Season 4 is airing right now, Thursday mm-hmm. nights at 9 Eastern and 9.30 Eastern. They are doubleheaders of it. Uh, on NBC Sports, check your local listings. And that's, well, you said four seasons. I mean, We're I on think, season four, yeah. Yeah, because didn't you do a show, I, maybe it was your first season, the one with the electric um, Electric DeLorean? DeLorean? Yeah. Oh, so that, that was for uh, our Drive YouTube series. And in fact, uh, the first season of the TV show, season one, wasn't a real season. Uh, they repurposed our internet content for television. Oh, so that got a double double airing, a YouTube and an NBC Sports airing. But seasons two through now are all new original content. Uh, we do it; it's international travel based show, so everything's on location. So for that episode, I drove an Aston Martin V12 Vantage S in Oman. That's pretty impressive. That was pretty cool. Gosh. Yeah. So, in other words, you went to their economy class in yeah. Oman. I, I did fly economy class to Oman. It is, it's 17 hours. It's a very long way. Oh it's my a very gosh. long way to go. Yeah. And the uh, border patrol at the UAE, the border of UAE and Oman, confiscated our walkie-talkies. You cannot have this. No. No. They took them. Really? Straight took them. Yeah, we got taxed. We got taxed. For the walkie-talkies? Yeah, you know, you run a roll through that border in an Aston Martin, uh-huh. you're going to get taxed a little bit. Uh-huh. Did you ever get them back, by the way? No. No. <laughs> they were like, what day will you be leaving the country? And I'm like, Monday. They're like, you can pick them up on Tuesday. I see. I mean, I, I wish I was exaggerating that conversation, but that's the conversation I had. Uh-huh. As me and my camera guy drove away, it was like, we just got taxed, didn't we? Like, yep, we got taxed, and I don't care. Let's leave right now. <laughs> you know. They were very nice to us while stealing from us, if I'm honest. Lovely. Well, good to know. (laughs) What was the best car you were driving on that show so far? Because, I mean, you've driven so many different cars in so many different avenues. Let's let's pick that show. Best car for that show. I mean, I've had a recent love affair with the new Acura NSX. Mm hmm. Which uh, is funny because I think the early reviews were not kind to it. I have a feeling that they made the mistake of letting people drive some unfinished cars or something, which happens, you know, occasionally for marketing purposes. You know, a car company will let people drive pre-production cars or whatever uh, that aren't quite fully ready. Or, And I'm not sure what happened, but I spent a week with this car, and let me tell you, it is the best. I had the best time ever. Mm-hmm. And... um 
So that that's really good. Um, I, I, the I got, oddest car that maybe you drove. The odd, well, I drove in this season of the NBC show. I drove a donk. I'm are sorry. You, are you familiar with what donks are? Apparently not. So a donk is when you take um, usually an older car, usually an American car, uh, and you like lift it like you would a monster truck, but then you put like 30 inch chromes with rubber band tires. It's very big in like the South. I've seen a lot of athletes yeah. take like Chevy Impalas yeah. from the 70s. Exactly, yes. And they will sit there and raise them up and yes. you'll have enormous rims. rims. Yeah, big motors, yeah. you know, supercharged LS motor kind of stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Stereos, crazy paint Redo jobs. Redo the interior, yeah. the dashboard is completely yeah. different, the yeah. whole thing. Yeah. That's a donk. So I I so that term donk covers a lot of uh a lot of ground, sort of like the term muscle car covers a lot of ground, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So technically, there's like three different kinds. A donk is like a Caprice or an Impala, usually a coupe or convertible from the 70s, okay? And with that treatment, mm-hmm. lifted big rims, okay? okay? Shiny, chrome, sparkly, that's, everything. That's a donk. That's a donk. A box is a Caprice or Crown Victoria uh, or a G-body car, like a Buick, uh, like a Regal, from the 80s, right? So think like a, like a Grand National body-style car or uh, a Crown Vic or a Caprice. And then a bubble is the 90s one with the round-body Caprice or Impala SS and then the rounded, uh, you know— uh, Oh, what else do they do besides? Well, in the '90s, it's really just the Caprice and the and the or, and the Crown Vic. And so, what do they do that makes the bubble different than a Donk? Just the generation of vehicle. I they see. all have the same treatment: I lifted see. chromes, thirty-inch wheels. You know, basically off-road suspension, big motors. See, we are learning a new language here, yeah. ladies and gentlemen. And it's uh, it's popular then... with young, with Southern athletes and rappers. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, so. People that are that take their car hobbies very seriously make fun of these guys with these cars, and I will I will plead guilty to doing that myself. But I went to Miami and I drove a Cadillac Fleetwood Donk limousine, so it was it was like twelve feet off the ground, and it was I think it was twenty six feet long or something like that. And it was the funniest thing you've ever... I mean, you go like 10 miles an hour. It's the funniest thing you've ever seen. There's no... I don't think I've ever laughed harder than driving by a glass building and looking at my own reflection and this thing in the, in Miami. And it, it was the greatest, the greatest thing. So you mentioned Crown Vic, so they actually do Ford products. Why, they do. Why yeah. is it that mostly it's all GM? You never see a Chrysler like that. A Chrysler done up and a donk? Yeah, or something um, like that. Well, Chrysler didn't have a lot of uh, rear-drive body-on-frame products during that phase. Mm-hmm. If you think about during those phases, Chrysler uh, has unibody products, right. most of which were front-wheel drive. And you don't want a front-wheel drive-based donk. Yeah. Chrysler did not have like a big rear-drive rear coupe or sedan in between you know, 1975 and... and, uh, and the, the 300, really. Right. Well, because they did have, maybe toward the latter part of the 70s, but then keep in mind, and I just... Yeah, the just Cordoba. The, there was probably the a Cordoba, Cordoba. <laughs> or the, somewhere. The quote-unquote Crown Grand Fury or something yeah, like that. Yeah, something like that. I, I mean, maybe there's one. Well, I don't want to exempt... Yeah, I don't want to exempt Chrysler entirely, but, but it seems ni- mostly GM. Yeah, yeah, 1980 came around. They were already into the, uh, you know, the K-cars. 
So yeah, you're, yeah, you're, yeah. You're no right. one, listen, no one's donking an Aries K. <laughs> 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 you know, <laughs> like a 600 convertible turbo, yeah. like maybe, maybe, but not, maybe. but not an Aries K. Well, you got to draw the line somewhere, <laughs> I suppose. That's a good point. Well, you think you have to draw the line somewhere, but I mean, if you if you go and you know Google image search, you know best donks. One of the funniest things they do with donks are are like sponsorship themes that are, have no financial compensation whatsoever like someone will just act as if their car is sponsored by cheetos and the whole thing will be cheetos themed everything will be orange he'll say cheetos on the side of this thing okay cheetos has no affiliation with this at all the dude has not been compensated anyway for that is he trying to does that his no it's just like a theme like you wear it on the you wear it on your sleeve like it's not enough you 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 want to? Ha- I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know. I can't, I can't explain why somebody would write Cheetos or whatever on the side of their car. Uh, I've seen like minis with uh, energy drinks. You know how they actually built a can of energy drink. Yeah, the people st- driving them are being paid by but the hour. But they're being paid, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. Well, okay. I hope so. See, and that's another thing. I've never yeah. seen a. I, you very rarely see Chrysler lowriders. Oh, that's true. I, uh, do you uh, find that Chryslers of that period are in general more expensive? That's a good question. I think Chrysler Imperials and 300s are quite a lot more expensive than Impalas and stuff like that. In the 60s, they they weren't as big. Yeah. Because uh, you take a 64 Chevy, which I think probably is the number one car. They physically were not as big. Physically Physically not as big. big. Yeah, Yeah. because there was a time where, and I I love this story because you hear it all over, is somewhere back around 1962, somebody apparently got a close look at uh, this small car that Chevy was doing, uh, apparently this was for the Chevy 2, mm-hmm. when they were coming up with an idea and ran over to Chrysler and said, oh my gosh, they're cutting the size of their big cars. So Chrysler apparently didn't do their due diligence, and suddenly, come around 1962, the Plymouths were cut, yeah. basically, from a huge car to something really B-body-ish. Uh-huh. Uh, Dodge did the same thing, and it wasn't until... Uh, about a year or two later, when they took the old DeSoto body and stuck a Chrysler front end, front clip on it and called it the Dodge 880. Oh, and then, yeah. And I forgot about that In thing. 62, yeah. they didn't have anything to mm-hmm. sell because they just didn't have any big cars because of that miscalculation of what yeah. General Motors was doing. I never actually thought about that in context before, but yeah. Yeah, so, but yeah, that's part of it, I assume. But one day I was at a, a George Barris uh, event in Culver City when they were having the cruise when George was still alive. Yeah. And I saw a 1955 DeSoto Lowrider. Cool. So that was I, pretty was it cool. awesome? I yeah, bet it was, was really awesome. cool. It was really cool. Yeah. And but, but one again, of my favorite, I mean, you're, a, you're like a SEMA guy, aren't you? Don't you? Are you doing you go to SEMA? I'll go this year, yeah. Do I've you been, know Murray been, Pfaff? I've heard the name. The big Chrysler. I don't know if he's just just Chrysler, but he had two, two, three years ago. Mm-hmm. He has this Chrysler. Um, Jesus, I I want to say it's a it's like a three hundred convertible or some an Imperial convertible or something that he shortened like eighteen inches to turn it into like the speedster like a two seater. Yeah, he turned, yes, it, turned a four seater. I have seater seen into, that. I have seen it that. It is so cool, yeah. and that that's sort of my vision of what a Chrysler lowrider could kind of be. Yeah. Uh, you see a car like that, and it, and it was early 60s, late 50s, something along those lines? Yeah, yeah, late 50s. Unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah, and he turned it into a two-seater. That, but you're that right. Was... You don't see a lot of Chrysler lowriders. It may, that may be a unibody, because wasn't Chrysler like always unibody for... I th- they think are, right? That was like their thing, it, yeah. right? Yeah. 
you may want to have a body on frame for low riding. <laughs> I see. You may. That'd when you hit the switches, probably. you know, a unibody car could twist like a pretzel. <laughs> a body on frame car, you could beef up, you know, you could yeah. put like a, you know, a heavy duty truck frame under your Impala. Mm-hmm. I'm spe- I'm completely I don't know if you could do it on a Polara. I'm That's spe- something completely <laughs> different. You just don't see a lot of Polara lowriders. And, no. uh, and again, and if you're you listening should. and you think I'm crazy, then uh, obviously uh, pass along a little info. and we'll, You know uh, what you see with modified Chryslers? you got to go older and like those Pachuco guys. You know them? Mm-hmm. Like the, the Mexican dudes that okay. drive cars from like the 40s. Oh, yeah. You know yeah, those yeah. guys? Like... They look like they're joking, but they ain't joking. Like right, those exactly. guys. They they drive Chryslers. Yeah, yeah, probably from the forties, right? Yeah, forties Chryslers and thirties Chryslers, like yeah. the old DeSoto taxis. Yeah, and they and dress stuff. like Al Capone. They they keep it real OG. Uh-huh. <laughs> the oest of the G. Well, we've uh, taken this tangent all the way out to left field. Let's uh, let's slide it back in a little bit. <laughs> you um, and, and of this course, is, I, this is what happens when I come on your show. No, I, whatever you thought we were going to talk about, we ain't talking about. <laughs> I've got a list of things I'd like to keep in there, and, and we never get to any of them. So it's all right. I like that though. It's it makes it a little different. So what about? And you mentioned you have five cars now. Um, wait, one, two, count three. them for me. What do you got? Lexus, discussed. My Mustang, project, my what year? it's an '88 notchback former Highway Patrol car, heavily modified uh, by Maximum Motorsports uh, and San Luis Obispo. My good friend Chuck Swino. Chuck, Chuck. We went to college together. Did you really? We were both general managers of the campus radio station. That, he kind of looks like you with long hair. Oh God, help him! No, That's seriously. The case. If you grew out your beard for like two weeks and like grew your hair down to like the way I would have had it in '93, you'd be <laughs> Chuck. Seriously, <laughs> I completely understand both of you guys being friends for a long time. It oh makes sense. my, we we have pictures from the college years, and we don't look a thing like each other. But you know, the long hair thing—I'll have to listen, look it up. Chuck and his guys are ace. Yes, if, I mean, good. I I I, uh, I paid them, so I don't owe them anything. But if anyone out there uh, has a Mustang and wants to make go around corners, Chuck and his team are—they're uh, your people. San Luis Obispo, California. San Luis Obispo, and you don't yeah. have to send your car there either. They they have parts that can be installed by almost anybody. Mm-hmm. However, my car was used as a development car for their IRS swap kit. I think it was there the last time I was It there was there for a long time. Yeah, I, <laughs> I went by and saw him. We were up in San Luis Obispo, and Chuck was always like showing me his latest processes, yeah. which, to be honest with you, I don't have an engineering degree, so that goes completely over my mm-hmm. head. But he's showing me, and this thing will bend this and do this. And then, Oh, did you see Matt Farah's Mustang? And we walked over and went... It's pretty. Oh. It's a pretty heavy duty build. Yeah, um, it's not a huge power car. It makes three hundred at the wheels horsepower. It weighs thirty one hundred pounds, but um, it's IRS. It's a tubular front subframe. It has a cage. I'm running a eighteen and a, eighteen by ten and a half uh, with two ninety five Cup twos at all four corners. Um, Thirteen and a half inch brakes. Um, it's all maximum suspension. It's actually it's really set up um, not so much like a race car. It's actually set up like a tarmac rally car, and that's how I like my cars. So it's got it's got some roll to it. Um, it's got actually quite a lot of suspension travel. Um, you, it's really it's it's really really good at canyon roads. That's what I had it set up for, and so it handles uneven terrain. That's what the IRS does well. Is it handles the the uneven terrain really really well. It's a very cool car, um, and I'm bringing that to the YouTuber challenge in Vegas uh, tomorrow. 
to race against some other YouTubers and their project cars. And, you know, my car is kind of an old school style build, like that classic old 302. Mm-hmm. You know, I got mine, mine, mine is out of the Ford Racing catalog, but it, it's, it's an old school 302. It's not a Coyote motor or anything. So, it, it's 300 horsepower, but it's got the right sound. You know, there's nothing like that five liter with headers and, you know, no cats. And what, what other things are the guys bringing? Uh, Rob Ferretti has a turbocharged C5 Corvette that is, is, uh, is very fast when it works properly, but it's also very temperamental. Um, Dave Patterson, who has a channel called That Dude in Blue, uh, is a, he's a nice kid from Atlanta. He has a, um, a, a Nissan 240SX with a Toyota 2JZ in it, a, a turbo. I think it makes around 500-something horsepower. Uh, there's a guy named Rob Dom that has a three-rotor RX-7. And what's like, he on? Uh, his, he has a YouTube channel that I believe is just called Rob Dom. Okay. It's, it's uh I've never met Rob. I hear nice things about him, but he's okay. got a he's a he's a, a rotary guy. So he's bringing a three rotor RX seven, um, and that's all I know for now. Uh-huh. So I'm down power, but um, my car is you know, it, it, Chuck did the the build, uh, BBI Autosport did the the final setup, and you know these are guys that set up Jeff Zwartz Pikes Peaks car and uh, you know uh, IMSA Tudor cars. Um, and and stuff like that and and so they it's 50 50 corner balanced across the corners from you know for my weight in it um it's really it's dialed in very nicely it drives beautifully okay so so i've got that i've got that mm-hmm. i have a ford ford focus rs the new one uh modified by mountain so it's making um 370 wheel horsepower and 460 wheel torque on 91 octane and then it has uh stainless steel brake lines their short shifter and i just did um work with kw um for a i got a prototype set of their new dynamic adaptive coilovers for the rs so it works with the factory system so you have the different drive modes and uh, i gave them feedback to help tune the shocks um and it's really fixed uh, the ride the ride the focus rs's biggest problem was it rode like like awful mm-hmm. awful so that kw says i'm not an engineer i don't know kw says they they it rides badly basically because they have a it's too stiffly sprung and, and they have a cheap shock um this uses a nicer shock and a better spring and it rides better now okay that's three i have an aston martin vanquish an older one in 03 that has the works manual gearbox conversion which is extremely cool removes the car from the aging curve so now it drives properly has a permanence about it now it doesn't feel like you know using a graphing calculator you know or so you know <laughs> it doesn't those those early 2000s gearboxes i mean they just make a great car feel horrible so um fix that so you feel like james bond when you drive it um or is that not the right year no, well, it's I I could be Pierce Brosnan, James Bond. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. It, in the in the James Bond one, it's where they drive it in the snow and it disappears. The Vanish. Oh, right. It's the Invisible Vanquish. Yeah. So, um, did you like Pierce Brosnan as uh, James Bond? Not my favorite. Oh, okay. But it, but I was sort of a kid, so it was only the, really the only, you know, like I was in high school when those movies came out in no, college. So like I didn't have a big frame of reference. Yeah. When Daniel Craig did it better, I was like, oh. 
<laughs> is that what it was oh, supposed to be? <laughs> yeah. And then the last one is I my my actual daily driver is a 2001 Mercedes SL 500, which is the best. Two seater, um, yeah. Two seater. That's fine. I don't. I have the focus if I need the back seat. And uh, you know, uh, silver over gray. The AMG Sport Sport package. The wheels, hard top. Clarion built a sick system in it. I haven't had a system in a car in who knows how long, and I'm so excited. It's like 1500 watts. It bumps. Uh, and I've got they put a backup camera in the car and GPS and Bluetooth and it just that's my sit in traffic in LA car mm-hmm. and it's so good at sitting in traffic in LA and it looks great when I park it and the air conditioning cranks and I love it I think and I got it I got it so cheap I don't it'll never be cheaper than I got it ever. Now, how did that come about? I just looked around for a while. I just I liked them and I looked at three or four different cars and I ended up on what I think was the fine a fine balance between quality and price and you know location and whatever and uh, I just think those cars are bottomed out and now when I when you see one or when you post pictures of a really nice clean one there's not a lot of clean ones left like they're out there but the ones you see mostly running around are kind of like tired and beat by now so when you see a really clean one you go God that was a handsome car wasn't it mm-hmm. and then. You know, it's like the last of that old school Mercedes where ride quality mattered more than the lap time. You know what I mean? Right. So ultimately, <laughs> like, I just want the thing to ride well. So I put, it comes with uh, Bilsteins from the factory. So I just got a new set of Bilsteins, like 800 bucks, and and the cars, it rides like a Mercedes. It's great. Very so cool. that's Very... the current collection. All right. And oh, and I bought a Porsche yesterday. Sorry. I did. So that's six. That's six. I can't. And where'd the Porsche come from? San Francisco. <laughs> no, we're building. Just happened. To no, think I'm building it? a guy named Lee Keen, uh-huh. very uh, good, very good racing driver, has started building these Safari 911s. Like they would drive from, you know, 911s. They, they've been rallying for the whole for the whole time they've been around, especially in the 70s and the 80s. Right. And uh, these Safari rally cars, I, I got a chance to drive one on on dirt and on the street, and I have to tell you. Uh, any a 911's road dynamics translate incredibly well to loose surface, whether it's dirt or snow or whatever sand. Um, and I got on this in this Safari 911, and I was I had a single track closed trail in the woods in North Carolina with trees on either side, and within five minutes I was sliding this thing around like I was you know. Sebastian Loeb, you know, or at least I felt like I was, even if I wasn't. And I had the greatest day of driving. And then I took this thing out on the highway. And like, even with the big off-road tires, like you're, it's only lifted a few inches. So you don't, it's not like you're driving a truck, you know, you still feel like you're in a 911 and you, you definitely give up some of that, you know, at the limit grip. But it's just for LA, think about what we drive on every day and how cool would it be if you had an off-road 911 for the daily you know, the daily so the grind di- in LA. So the difference is basically different tires, different suspension. It's lifted four inches. It still uses a torsion beam suspension, but it's longer travel. I think it's I think the company's called Elephant Racing, but don't hold me to that. They lift it, they you'd use an RSR style Fuchs wheel with a BFG AT tires, mud flaps, 
rally lights, roof rack. You take the car I bought is an 87 Carrera, so it's the 3.2 motor with the G50 gearbox. It's the better transmission. I really wanted a G50 car. I didn't want that earlier gearbox. So uh, they take the motor and they just throw in some hotter cams and a new chip and uh, like some headers and an exhaust and a lighter flywheel and clutch just to wake up the revs a little bit. And um, and then uh, that, and then you do the interior and make it all crazy, like just crazy fabrics and really wild. You know, I like I like going over the top with the colors and the patterns and having fun with it. What so. do you have a leopard skin in your uh, seat or what? Well, my Mustang is super crazy in terms of the patterns. It's like '70s um, outdoor patio furniture fabric. It's, <laughs> I'll show you a picture. It's really nuts. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, Porsche had the, has the history of these Pasha interiors, mm-hmm. and so right now I'm, like, playing with materials, and I'm thinking, like, wool or linen. Like, just do something really weird that people wouldn't expect to see in a car. And uh, so that's why I, so I bought this Porsche that's it's Cassis Red, which is, a, like, a heinous color. It's, like, this, like, lip grape lipstick awful color, and... Uh, I got a good deal on it because it's an awful color. Yeah. And uh, I haven't actually seen it in person, believe it or not. Never seen it in person, never driven it. I had it. Do you I, do that often? Yes. I had the, it was far away. I had the owner drive it to Shark Works in San Francisco, which is a Porsche shop that I trust. They went through it. There's no rust. It's never been in an accident. It's numbers matching. It doesn't leak anything and it pulls really hard. And all the rubber seals look good and it's clearly been serviced. So, yeah, good enough. I get the idea, and, I, and I've watched some of your videos, and I, and I get the idea you kind of fly by the seat of your pants, in a sense, when it comes to certain things like the show. and Because, for example, I was watching one show, and you sit down, and I will sit there and write a couple of notes just to yeah. kind of, in case I get so into the conversation, I forget where I'm going, which doesn't happen more than 600 times. You, and, I mean, you seem organized. Okay. I'll give, you, I'll give you points for organization. Okay, thank you. From this chair, it seems like you've, you've got things in order. Yeah, okay. <laughs> thank you. I'll slip you the 20 later. Um, but you sat down with, uh, I've seen a couple of your podcasts, and you just sit down, you talk. You don't wear headphones, by the way. No, I don't. How's my audio? Okay. It's great. Yeah. How do you, how's it sound to you? Great. Ignorance <laughs> is bliss. <laughs> I don't I I don't wear headphones um I I, I tend to project I have a, I'm a loud guy so it's I'm it, hearing me is never the issue it's always about hearing a guest that's that's quieter than I am no mm. one ever has a problem hearing me <laughs> <laughs> I, honestly I wish I wish I needed headphones I wish I knew how to be quiet but I think me not being able to be quiet is probably why I have a job that could be. Yeah. I'd like to or at go, least why I have an audience. I'd like to go back a little bit. And and I'm always interested in how people got into the biz they're in. Like mm-hmm. for example, let's go back a couple of years. You were doing something when you suddenly heard about the podcast business or you decided, you know, I'm gonna give this a shot. What well, were you doing the then? Key, and the how key did it moment happen? was um you know, I, I did actually always I always had like a fantasy of being in automotive media. I mean, I was a huge fan of car magazines as a kid, and I, I always wanted to be guys like that. But, you know, when you're a kid and you read car magazines and you see the same, you know, dozen names over and over, you go, well, these are the dozen people who do that, and that's the end of it. You never really think about that's just a regular guy who's got that job and who found a way to work his way to that job. You know, it's that guy seemed like a superstar to me. You know, it didn't seem possible, and so like who? 
Uh, you know, David E. Davis, uh, Chubba Chetta, Brock Sr., um, you know, guys like that. The, the real heavy hitter writers of the eight, 80s. and Yeah. Mm-hmm. Heavy, you know, the heavy hitter writers of the 80s and 90s. Um, occasionally, you ever, read a, you ever read any Hunter Thompson reviews, car or motorcycle reviews? I have not, but I've to, heard he's done Most people don't, don't know that Hunter Thompson did a lot of car and motorcycle reviews for Playboy. In like the seventies, and you can read like scans of them on the internet. Oh my god, guys, it's <laughs> <that was> like <laughs> unbelievable. You guys, a maniac. Um, so um, so I I was I ran a car wash with my friend Larry, and these customers would come in, and they would never really drive their cars except to the car wash and back just to hang out and have a cigar while their car got cleaned and you know talk to me for three hours about cars and not do anything. So we put together a driving club to get these people driving their cars and we would go out on these drives on Sunday mornings and then oh by the way they'd come to the car wash after and get their cars clean of again. course mm-hmm. but it was like to get people out and drive the cars because we enjoyed doing that kind of stuff and we were like why do these people just come to the car wash so that was like oh five oh six and then when back east New York oh, yeah okay. suburbs of New York yeah okay. and then um when YouTube launched in 06 it was like oh we could just like make some videos of these drives and like share them on YouTube and then like you know, that would help spread the word about the driving club. Ultimately, like, it was like a marketing tool for the driving club. Um, and we made videos for, like, a couple weeks. And then this guy found me and um, said he was starting a YouTube network. And, you know, would I come host the show? Mm-hmm. And I originally did it for no money to promote the club. That was the whole thing, promote the car wash, promote the driving club. But pretty soon, you know... After being on camera and, you know, a guy stopped me in the street and said he was a fan and, you know, you start getting emails from people and, and this and that. And the car wash starts to get colder and wetter, you know, <laughs> and the, the lights of the studio and the and the sports cars get brighter and brighter. You know, when I the, at first I was making this show, I wasn't like reviewing cars. It was like going to the auto show and doing the a green screen bid and i mean nothing of any real significance but the first time a guy said i have a tuning company and we built a gt3 swapped cayman do you want to come review it i was like um y- yeah yeah <laughs> you know and then you you can't you can't go back to the car wash no. after that so what did you sell the car wash do you still own it I sold my share of it to my partner Larry. Mm-hmm. He then subsequently sold the whole thing, but Larry is now one of the um one of the world's best car detailers and has a product line that he makes himself. Um his wife is a chemist and and they make it together and it's called Ammo and it's just about the best car detailing stuff that money can buy. It's expensive. Um but and he has he's a he's a he's a star on YouTube as well. These the detailing nerds. He is, you know, the king of detailing nerds because not only can he get fix anything with a with a car's paint or finish or anything like that um he can explain how to do it uh, so you were really one of the youtube pioneers yeah 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 fastly and daily the show that they called me in to host was was the longest running series on youtube period of any kind and until it until it was canceled at the end of um last year yeah you can be canceled off youtube you can get your funding taken away. Oh, that'll do it. Yeah. Especially if you get your funding taken away because the federal government has discovered that the person in charge of that thing is a criminal. 
Hi-oh. Who will be sentenced November 17th. Really? In federal court and in New York City. you had no idea? No, no. I knew he was a criminal the entire time. Oh, okay. I didn't know he was a criminal. Like, I didn't have any evidence of him being a criminal. But I knew he was a total—I knew he was a horrible human almost the whole time. Not in the very beginning, but halfway through my tenure at that company, I, I, I was aware that this person was a terrible— And he continued to be a terrible person, and he, and he eventually got caught— doing some of the things that terrible people do. So you eventually moved on and started your own YouTube channel. After this terrible person did a series of terrible things, and that company was sold to Google very cheap, uh, I was, me and my cameraman were left with zero, and we decided that we would continue on our own, and so we moved to California um, to start the smoking tire. And the smoking tire now it started off as just podcasts. Started off as just YouTube videos. Oh, I see. And then it became podcasting in two thousand. Started off as just YouTube videos at the beginning of '09. Became podcasting in also in like maybe two thousand eleven or twelve. And you're also now doing things. Uh, you do something called a OneDrive. One takes. One takes. Excuse yeah, me. that's in the beginning. We wanted. We thought we could do television on the internet. You know, we thought YouTube was going to replace cable. That obviously did not happen. Netflix replaced cable and various uh, individualized streaming services, HBO Go, etc., replaced cable. Um, YouTube remained its own thing. Um, but at the time, it seemed like everything was on just the sky's the limit kind of thing. And uh, we, made, we made what we thought were fairly high quality productions for for YouTube and we were a lot we were sort of pioneers in that we were the first people to do certain things in certain ways in terms of getting how we got certain shots and various types of equipment that we designed and built at home and and I we saw things that we did you know appear in other places <laughs> from time to time right um you know I mean obviously top gear was the the pioneer for all of it but we were doing it for so little money, you know, that like nobody could really keep up. Um, but eventually I started doing math. <laughs> <laughs> so I, you know, we realized that we were only, we, oh, wow, this video made $2,000. That's great. Wow. Okay. Well, we spent, you know, 60 man hours on it, you know, and, and $400 in expenses. So really what we just did was earn, you know, $2 an hour or something, Mm -hmm. you know, and that got depressing. So you make money on YouTube by advertising. Okay. Well, okay. Yeah. Do do you sell it? Do they sell it? YouTube sells it. You pretty much, at that time, you had to apply to be a YouTube partner to get ads put on your videos. Now, you know, if you're not a criminal and if you're not, you know, airing beheading videos or, you know, videos of beating up homeless people, mm-hmm. you know, you can you just click a button and link your bank account and it's just enable ads and they will sell ads on your behalf. So you just get a check every month. Oh. Ah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now, you, I mean, it's... That's simple. That sounds pretty simple. Yeah, simple, not easy. Uh Simple, not easy. The formula is simple, you know, but actually getting enough people to watch your videos to make that any kind of real amount of money is the hard part. Right. And you you do need to get a lot of people watching your videos (laughs) for that to be any kind of money. Five figures, six figures, four figures? Of what? what? So it's the, the actual math is, you know, roughly, you end up with roughly... 
after taxes, after the, the split, $3 per 1,000 views. Okay. So 100,000 views on a video, that's 300 bucks. Okay. So that's not bad if you have no costs. Well, and if and you've made that video cheaply. So that leads me to the one takes. One takes are a result of me doing math and going, okay, instead of saying let's make TV on the internet and then hope for the best, let me start with our average video revenue and work backwards, taking away everything I can from that video in order to make it worth my time to make it. You know what I mean? So if the average revenue per video is $350, I'm going to do $350 of work on that video and not one second more because otherwise this is not a business. Otherwise this is a hobby. You know, at a certain point you do have – you can invest obviously like any business while you're growing. You can run a loss and, and invest in, back in the company. In our case, we were investing our time into gaining followers. But at a certain point, you have to figure out how to make money. Otherwise, you have a hobby, not a job. Mm -hmm. So the one takes. One takes were just an, an, a, a realization that I could work backwards, strip out all the fat, strip out all the time, strip out all the expenses. And I was certain when we started doing that that nobody would want to see it. Nobody would watch it. No one would care. People would go, well, this is, I'm, this is not why I watch car videos. It turns out I was wrong, and it's been very successful and I've made 560 of them in since 2014. Now, so, some of these are people who let you drive their cars. Most of them are fans that bring me their cars, that, that, that apply to have me drive their cars. And it's crazy because people come from really far away. Um, anyone who's coming for more than a couple of hours away, I try and talk them out of it. Um, I really do. I really do. I some. I want to come from Colorado. I go look, dude. Don't. You know, it's just not worth it. And usually, it, it becomes no. Me, we'll make a vacation out of it. Me and my buddies, and it'll be a whole weekend, and then we'll go to Vegas. And well, whatever. There, there was the guy who drove the VW Combi. Oh yeah, Ben. Yeah. Well, he was doing that anyway. He didn't do that for me. I assure you. Ben was this guy. Ben was. I think he was from New Zealand or Australia, and he was driving from Patagonia to Alaska in a like a '93 uh, Volkswagen Combi van. Uh -huh. Now, a Combi van for those people who don't know, it's a it's, micro bus. Yeah, it's basically. a VW bus, but it's it has a water cooled engine, so it has a real ugly looking radiator stuck to the front of it. <laughs> Still a complete piece of crap, if uh -huh. you ask me. It's not a good vehicle. Yeah, I kept remembering you were having trouble trying to get to actually speed up. Oh, it's which just, is, it was just terrible. But that guy, I gave him... No adjustable steering wheel. <laughs> I gave that guy my old an old iPhone that I had, you know, like an iPhone 4 yeah. or something, uh -huh. which was just enough power on it to have Tinder, and that drastically improved the remainder of his... <laughs> Time on his road trip. Tinder. Well, that'll. Oh, this guy. Well, this guy's perfect for Tinder. Think about his pictures. It's like him, good-looking, tan Australian guy, and his dog and his van, and meditating on the beach. This guy never slept in that van again. <laughs> <laughs> I'd change that dude's life. Now, I I don't know if you were involved in this, but there was a couple that drove a Cadillac limousine. I I when you said Patagonia, it was involved in whatever oh, you're, you're talking about. Well, okay, I was not, so that doesn't ring a bell. Sounds awesome, but well, I was he not took involved. Patagonia to like uh, Alaska, same in a thing. limo, in a limo, a God, Cadillac limo. 
That did he, white did he, Cadillac? Did limo. he like lift it up on some beastie tires or something? No. I would just standard issue limo. No, but they stuck. Uh, they redid the uh, area in the back. They stuck a put sink a in there. there. Oh yeah, they got plumbing in there. They stuck a sink in there. They put a refrigerator. Well, the refrigerator. Was I mean, that in. sounds so cool. But I have to be honest with you. There's almost nothing a Cadillac limo can do that a, a simple van wouldn't do better. Maybe a little more comfortable seats. In the front, I said, yeah, okay, In the good point. In yeah. the front, the front seats could be more comfortable. Although, if you've got a divider in that thing, maybe not. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Good point. I, I mean, look, good on them. Honestly, <laughs> that's gangster. Good on them. And there was also a, a Honda with a motorcycle engine. Oh, that I drove. We talking yeah, about? Oh, yeah, it was a that was a um, an N six hundred. Yeah, which is like a super rare. It's the first passenger car Honda ever sold in America. Yeah, that little small super thing. Super rare. It made I've a never mini seen look big. Yeah, it was tiny. And this guy, um, his name is Dean Williams. He was a builder, and he put a um, motor. It was a VFR Interceptor V four. The 800cc motor in it with a sequential gearbox. And what made it cool was that he made it rear-wheel drive. So he put a shaft and made and actually made it rear-wheel drive, which was badass. The downside was no reverse because I used a motorcycle <laughs> gearbox. So it didn't have reverse. You had to, like, Fred Flintstone it. But it weighed, like, you know, 1,200 pounds, so who cares, right? Yeah, I guess. Um, that thing was crazy, and um, the guy who owned it was not the builder. He bought it off the builder. But I have I have a standing offer for that gentleman if he ever wants to sell that thing. Mm-hmm. I have a standing offer on, on it. I mean, I'm he could probably get more money than I would be willing to pay for it because it was the coolest thing ever. But I made him an offer, and that offer is good indefinitely if he wants to sell it. And then there was the other – you do other things as well, for example. We do boats now. Yeah, I, I saw boats. Yes, boats. How did that transition happen? So – I mean, it's it was a it's it's fairly logical. B, I grew up on boats. Like I could sail a boat and I could operate a powerboat before I could drive a car. Um, that doesn't make me necessarily an expert. I just liked it for a really long time. Um, you know, I can I can sail. I, I have a I have an American Sailing Association bare boat charter certificate. Um, I have a captain's license. I have a skipper's license in several states. I love boats. Like I just love boats. I don't know how to review a boat necessarily. I'm learning as I go, but I just one day decided, um, well, <laughs> so uh, we went on vacation as a company to Thailand and we, we chartered a sailboat and sailed around. Was, this is my first full bareboat charter. So, I mean, a 48-foot catamaran in a foreign country, you know, it was a little intimidating, but I was like, let's just bring cameras, you know. So I reviewed the boat as like a goof. Uh, but people actually really dug it. I mean, it didn't like, you know, it wasn't like some viral hit, but the people that watched it um, seemed to really enjoy it. And so I opened the floor to other boats, and I've had some really nice people provide me some really interesting experiences on some cool boats. And so I've done, like, fast pontoon boats and, like, jet boats and speed boats, and I'm doing – I have a couple more sailboats scheduled. I'm going to Miami uh, like the second week in November, I'm doing like a beast yacht, like a 150 foot yacht. Um, you know, I'm not sure where it'll go. Boat videos are really held to a different standard than car videos. Like boat, there's a million people out there making a million kind of car videos and there's not very many people making boat videos. Um, so the problem is boat videos are much more targeted. They don't do nearly as well. Um, there's no like... 
you know, breaking news, you know, the new Sunseeker 63, you know, spy shots, you know, there's no Nürburgring, right. there's, there's exactly. no Brenda Pretty, you know, spy photography for boats, you yeah. know, um, but I just, I, w- I want to share my love with boats and, and also, you know, with these one takes, I do a ton of them. The, the 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 people I meet are great and the cars I drive are very interesting, but the process is the same. I mean, it's like the process is basically like that I love Lucy, you know, chocolates conveyor belt. Exactly. Thing. It's just crank them out and keep up. You yeah. know, that's the whole everything is the same. And on the one hand, having a, a set procedure means that I don't get to play favorites. You know, whether I'm driving a 92 Civic that a guy just bought on Craigslist or the brand new Ferrari 488, it, it's the same. The process is the same. So you can't go, well, you did this for the Ferrari and you didn't do this, so you're biased. It's like, no, 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 the same ghetto video for both. <laughs> um, but the boat's just, is it's just a thing to change it up and... and um I don't know. I, why why be your own boss if you can't decide, like, today I'm going to do this because I feel like it? I think a lot of people out there would love to do that. Just yeah. sit there and say, you know, I'm kind of tired of this. I want to do something else. Yeah. Blah, 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 blah. And that's that's what you're doing. That's, that's the whole point of working for yourself. If you want to steer the ship, you can steer the ship. And some people will like it and other people won't. Some people are, like, super offended. Super offended that I'm doing boats. Some people are super offended. Like, so for a long time, I was doing videos Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then nothing on Friday because Friday's kind of a dead day. Now that I'm doing the podcast as a video, also, I thought it would be a good idea. The podcast comes out Wednesdays to make the video of the podcast come out at the same time. So sure. you pick your preference, right? So I bumped it. So it's now it's Monday, Tuesday, car video. Wednesday vi- podcast, Thursday Friday car video. So you get this you get more content, right? Same number of car videos plus a podcast video and people are really offended. Like really offended that I have moved this schedule around. Like it doesn't fit with their schedule anymore. What? They can't watch it on YouTube at, a, um, at the time of their no, own I choosing? I don't know. I don't think most people care, but the people who are who are mad are really mad and they may, they like to make sure you know about it. Okay. Whatever. That's a note to remember. But you know what? Fickle like, people on YouTube. Dude, it's but you know, two weeks, three weeks into the thing, it's like it's all forgotten about and there's a new thing, you know. Speaking of your podcast, you've had some really interesting guests on there, and every so often you'll get a name. A really, you know, a couple names, a couple names here and there. I need to wait until our studio gets better. I'm like, I'm embarrassed. Like, I, you know, like I kind of know Leno a little bit, and I know like Jared. I'm not just trying to drop names, but I know a few names. Okay. But I won't invite them into my studio. (laughs) (laughs) So you have these names that you know, yeah, and I'm doing it with quote marks. So. Are they easy to talk to? Are there ever times you talk to these people and you get kind of, you know, kind of humming, humming, humming? No, no, I've definitely made a fool of myself around celebrities before. This is true. There's a guy named Jonathan Banks Mm -hmm. from Breaking Bad. You know him? He played Mike Ehrman Trout on Breaking Bad. I was a stammering. It, with that Thailand trip when I went sailing, I got back from Thailand and my body clock was like all jacked up. So I, I watched like a Better Call Saul marathon, you know, 10 hours all night, Better Call Saul <laughs> marathon, right? So I'm, you know, I'm staring at the ceiling and, I'm, and I've got this thing going all night. And now it's like 4.30 in the morning, 5 o'clock in the morning. And Cars and Coffee, Malibu is going to be that morning. So okay. I'm like, well, I'm awake. 
Scan the car. Let's go. So I like pound a cup of coffee. I'm wide awake. I go, you know, I go to the to the cars and coffee, and there's Jonathan Banks, who I've been watching all night. I'm like hallucinating from being tired. <laughs> and, I, and I just I didn't do anything horrible, but I I lingered longer. You I know, see. I lingered. I lingered 25 seconds past where I should have, and that was enough to make me, you know, want to jump off a cliff. And zombie eyes, yeah. And zombie eyes, uh-huh. you know, and it just it was mumbling and stumbling and, you know, it was just, it was bad. I've done that a few times. I got, there's a woman named Jenna Elfman, you know her? Okay. Da- I think it's Dharma and Dharma Greg. Dharma yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So her, her, like, assistant was sitting next to me on an airplane once, and she was sitting in first class. She came back to talk to the assistant, whatever, and I, I stupidly like tweeted that she had like a really nice ass, which she does, and, and she, I'll stand by. Honestly, I'll stand by that. Okay. And believe you me, she was waiting to talk to me after that flight. Was she? Yeah, she was. Uh-huh. And uh, I was the most embarrassed I think I've ever been in my life. And uh, but she was very very nice about it and uh, thanked me for the compliment. But it oh, was really okay. that it came around really fast. <clears throat> Um, actually, yesterday I talked to Tom Selleck on an airplane. I was really? stoked. Yeah, Magnum PI. Uh-huh. He was wearing a beautiful. Do you like watches? Yeah. He was wearing a Pepsi Rolex GMT. Oh wow. Blue and red bezel. Sure. Very nice. And I was like, oh, Mr. Selleck, that's that's a really nice, you know, GMT. I'm a fan of that. He goes, oh, thanks, man. He's like, got one for a show I did, you know, back in the day, and then I wore it in a couple of movie roles, and so I figured. They asked me to donate something for a charity auction, and so I donated the watch, and it got like forty grand. He goes, but then they made a sequel to the movie, and I had to go buy another one. <laughs> I had to go buy another one because my character wore it. All right, that's the Tom Selleck. So those are my there's my name drops. But um, well, I, there was one other I'll throw in. Uh, you were Sherry O'Terry. Oh God. From Sherry O'Terry, Saturday I got, Night Live. Yeah, I just had. Um, no, it wasn't Sherry O'Terry. It was the. Um, <laughs> Oh, I'm blanking. Who's the the uh, Molly um, Molly Shannon? Oh, Molly I Shannon. Originally, if you heard on the podcast, right, I said Sherry O'Terry, but it was wrong. Oh. It was actually I was I used the wrong name. It was Molly Shannon. I just like gotten blood drawn at the doctor, and I was like, just all like, and holding, <laughs> you know, holding the band aid on your arm like you do. And she was like, Oh, did you get blood taken? Yes, like that's that hurts. I hate that. I'm like me too. I looked up like, ugh, yuck. And then it dawned on you who you're talking, who I was to. talking to. Yeah, it's the, it's the worst when that kind of stuff happens. And then you're just like, um, and then the elevator ride is is over. Uh-huh. It's I most I, I would say most of my celebrity interactions have not gone well. If mm-hmm. I had to take a poll of all of them, <laughs> most have gone badly, and a few have gone very nicely, and that's about it. You know, it's funny. I'm, I'm sitting here getting ready to do this, and I kept thinking, you know, your podcasts in general go anywhere from an hour and 15, an hour yeah, to two Yeah, we usually hours. try and do an hour and a half to two hours. Occasionally, it'll be a struggle to get to 90 minutes, but usually it's, yeah. And I thought, well, gosh, you know, how are we going to do this and get to a, you know, a half hour to an hour kind of thing? And I'm looking at the clock now, and I'm going, oh, well, this will be an hour really. This will be an hour. This will yeah, be an hour. That's an easy hour. That'll work. A couple quick things before we let you go, and I appreciate sure. you coming in. Normally, people do podcasts with a bunch of people. Um, you actually did a podcast at your house oh, alone. Man. Have you ever done a show? Have you ever done a show that vanished? You that ever, vanished? Yeah. Have you ever had like a, a technical, you know, whoopsie? And well, you've I've had done a, a whole show that like wasn't recording or that didn't save or that actually, disappeared? Actually, yes. 
Yeah, we uh, we did a show with G- uh, Gabriel Iglesias, the comedian. Really? Yeah, <laughs> and we in fact we did it right down at K Earth, and I got him. And this is before he showed up on Leno and talked all about his VW bu- uh, buses and all this. I got him at K Earth down below, mm-hmm. and I they were vi- he was visiting them for a promotional, and I went down there and I said, "Hey, do you mind?" Yeah, okay. So we talked a bit, and he gave me a great interview, and I went up and I was all ready to go, and I plugged it in to record it and make sure it was great. Nothing. Did you record silence or the file wasn't there at all? The file, for some just reason, just not there. didn't didn't go. exist. Yeah. Yep. It was weird. Yeah. So I did So, that. Gabe, we want to do this show over again. <laughs> it's, but, it's, but we'll talk about that later. it suck when that happens? Uh, I mean, that's... Yeah. I've got a great uh, picture we're going to put up on social oh, media and everything. There's but anyway. nothing. So that, that happened to me. There was a guy named Danny George who, uh, shout out to Danny George. He's a Formula Drift driver and he's sponsored by a weed company, which is so gangster. <laughs> I love it. And, you know, he, uh, he did a, we did a great show with him, but, uh, that was literally like the second time, you know, I, when I walked in here, the first thing I started asking you about was like, what software to use? Uh, that was the first time or second time that we had used this software. And uh, we thought we were turning off the headphone monitoring section, but we actually were muting all tracks. Oh, my. And so we, we muted the entire show. So, yeah, I, I went home and I drank a half a bottle of wine and set, set up a rig. <laughs> and I did a show where I rambled for an hour. And I think I had, I had my girlfriend come on and ramble mm-hmm. as well. And yeah. sometimes you got to do what you got to do. There's nothing crazy about that. Bill Burr does that all the time. Bill Burr is like, he just rambles to himself. And uh, sometimes it's even funny. But <laughs> sometimes you got to do what you got to do. Actually, I was, I was surprised. People, um, other than the weird, creepy lighting at my, at my desk, uh, people seem to enjoy it. All right, cars. Yeah. That top three cars you want to get one of these days. Well, the McLaren F1 is an easy. It's an obvious one, but that's that's the one. You'll need a lot of viewers yeah. for that. Yeah. Well, it's not going to happen, okay. obviously. But are, are we talking about realistic? Or are we talking about no? Not going to no. happen. No. I mean, anything. The top yeah. three cars you top want. Top three cars I'd like to have, not. but yeah, um, I would like to have a. Um, Let's see. I would like to have a uh, a Porsche 964 Speedster, specifically a Speedster. I don't know why I was. I, I really like the Speedsters. They're cool. Um, and the 964 to me is the best one of those. I'd like to have a Ferrari. I'm not sure if I would like a front-engined or rear-engined Ferrari. I'm I I I am a big fan of uh, the 512 TRs. Uh, I'm a big fan of. Uh, the 288 GTO and the F40, obviously. I, F40s are tough to drive. They're not comfortable. But, um, you know, I'd like to have a, a, some kind of Ferrari. I'm not entirely sure what yet. I mean, Co- I just bought a 911, so I'm I'm exactly. excited you- to finally be in that club. You're up to six. I've been – well, I've, you know, most of the guys I hang out with in L.A., like I don't fit in with my Fox body, and that's okay. I've never really quite – I, I fit in. I can blend enough in most. You know, I could. I can sort of blend in in New York, in Miami, in L.A., in Chicago. You know, but like in L.A., most of the people I hang out with are Porsche people, and so my cars have never really fit with that club. And uh, and so I'm excited to to be in that club. I think a little bit. Car you no longer have that you wish you could get back. Um, I I had a Nissan Skyline, an R32. Uh, the Japanese a, version. Yes. Yeah. That was a lovely, lovely car. Um, and I loved it when I bought it, and I loved driving it. Um, and I got offered a bunch of money for it. And it was money that 
made a lot of sense <laughs> at the time. It was basically today's prices. It was this was this was a year and a half ago. This was uh, you know May of 2016, and I and I basically doubled the value of the car in six months, and and I sold it then for what for what the very best cars are getting now. So. It made sense, but I had that R32 as a stopgap to the R34, which I would like eventually. So that's uh, that's on my list too. I, eventually, I'd like an R34. Yeah, there, have you driven a Skyline before? I have not, but I've seen them like they're at Supercar fantastic. Sunday and all those other. Places yeah, they're out there. they're fantastic. They drive really, really good. Um, if you can get used to being on the right side, which for me was like a fun game. Um, they're just the engines are beautiful and they're really nice to drive. I was lucky enough to drive a Australian Falcon. Oh, those are cool. Those are very cool. Yeah, I've never had a go in one, but I see yeah. them around there. That with the four liter six, right? Yeah, they're well, cool. And, it, and it's really fun because what you do is you take, let's say, your niece or some other kid and put them in the driver's seat, mm-hmm. which is on the left side. You give them a fake steering wheel. My cousin did this. He he actually had a uh, Australian Falcon for a while. He also had an Australian Charger. Oh, cool. Which was different. Interesting. But he would put his daughter in the left seat, holding a steering wheel and doing this as he drives down the freeway, and the looks he would get from people <laughs> yeah. on the freeway glancing over that's and seeing no, an eight-year-old driving the uh, 100%. car. 100%. That's a very funny bit. I like that bit. Well, the good news here, we've gone long enough. We don't have to talk about veganism and uh, what's what the health. Saved. <laughs> I'm not anti-vegans. I'm just anti-vegans talking about it. Exactly. <laughs> That's Matt Farah of The Smoking Tire. Don't forget to check out all of our podcasts here on Radio.com. And if you want more, check out some of our previous interviews with the likes of Chip Foose, Richard Carpenter, Jay Leno, Wayne Carini, and Dave Kindig on iTunes and SoundCloud. And check out our videos on YouTube and follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Oh, and our website, that's talkingaboutcars.net. And you can find Matt's Smoking Tire podcasts on iTunes and his car videos and podcasts on YouTube. And don't forget, check out his TV show, Drive, on NBC Sportsnet. Until next time, I'm Randy Cardoon. Join me as we have some fun talking about cars. <laughs>